So this morning we are looking at Psalm 13. Uh, you'll find uh, the words here on the screen, or uh, you can follow along if you've got it with you. Psalm uh, 13. Uh, before we read, let's pray together. God, we're grateful uh, that we can that we can gather together like this as your people and and worship. That we can remind ourselves that we belong to you. So, God, we pray in these next few minutes that that you would speak, that we would hear your voice. And that you, in, in some small way or some large way, that you, would, that you would change us and transform us. Make us into people who, who look more like Jesus. Amen. Psalm 13. Hear these words. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. For he's been good to me. We'll go that far. How long, O oh Lord... How long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I, must I wrestle with my thoughts and have sorrow in my heart all day long? God, can you do something about this? Do you have any idea what's going on? Are you going to show up? Or have you totally and completely turned your back on me? What is happening God, oh, wow, right? Those words are in the Bible. This is a psalm. This is part of the collection of psalms. There's 150 of them. We read them to learn how to pray. They teach us how to speak to the creator of the universe. That's why they've been kept. That's why they're in there. And this is one of them. What? Okay. For the next few minutes, I want you to think back. I want you to remember all the way back. Not sure if you'll be able to do it, but I want you to think all the way back to that time when we were able to sit in front of a TV and watch live sports. Can you remember that far back? I mean, who knows if we'll be able to do that again? Maybe this fall? Maybe this winter? Hopefully? Maybe? I don't know, but I want you to remember back to that time. And I want you to remember 
your emotions. I want you to remember your feelings. I want to remember how you reacted. I want you to remember your actions, what you actually did when you were watching your favorite team or one of your favorite teams play on TV and the refs, the officials, they just weren't doing their job, man. Like, you've been there. You know what that feels like. It's so upsetting. And I have to tell you, I'm notoriously bad at this. Like, really bad. I'm a classic overreactor. It's insane. Especially during basketball season. Like, when I watch Iowa State play West Virginia, like, their brand of basketball is not fun to watch. I mean, they pride themselves on defense, which is a really good thing to pride yourself on, as long as it's legal. Like, you can't push and pull and hack, and you can't just get that physical, but they do, and the refs just let them get away with it. Like, it makes me insane. Do your jobs, officials. Or like when Iowa plays Wisconsin and Michigan State. That really makes me mad. They get so physical, and the refs, again, they just let them get away with it. Like, they're breaking the rules. It's obvious. You've got to do something about this. Referees, officials, so you know what I do? When that happens, I'm watching a game like that. You know what I do? I raise my voice and I yell at the TV as if they can hear me, as if they can do anything about it. Like, it's really bad. If you were to watch a game with me, well, I probably wouldn't act that way because I'd be in, too embarrassed. But if you could be a fly on the wall and watch me when I didn't know you were watching me, it's bad. Ask my family, they'll tell you. They'll be like, yeah, he's not lying. It's true. Or maybe you've been actually inside Hilton Coliseum and you're watching the Cyclones and the officials aren't doing a very good job and you actually yell at the refs in a place where they actually can hear you. Like you've done this. You know what this feels. Of course you've done this. You're a human being. Did you know that we have permission to talk that way to God? Yeah, we have permission to yell at, scream at, shake our fists at, to question the creator of the universe, the one who made everything. We have permission to speak that way to God. I mean, we look around at the world and it doesn't take us very long to see that, you know what? God isn't officiating things very well. You're the almighty one, right? You're the omnip omnipotent one, right? So are you going to do something about this? We look and we see all kinds of big, big problems in the world. Like, we're in the middle of a global pandemic right now. And it doesn't seem to be getting better. At least not here, anyway. The numbers keep going up. We're like setting records in some places. Where's God in all of that? All around the world, there's political oppression. Their racism is still a thing. Patriarchy is still a thing. I mean, this list goes on and on and on. Now, where is God in all of that? And then we've got the list of, of personal problems that we all deal with. Things like addiction. Maybe you're dealing with that. Maybe you've got a friend who's dealing with that. We've got marriages that struggle and fall apart. We have falling out in relationships. Maybe that's where you're at too. Who knows? Like, where is God in all of that? How long, oh Lord, will you forget me forever? We actually have permission to yell at, 
to question the creator of the universe. And that's essentially what this psalm is doing. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? This is what we call a psalm of lament. Did you know that just about half the psalms in this book, there's 150 of them, did you know that almost half of them are psalms of lament, of questioning the creator of the universe? And many of them sound alike. They sound a lot alike. In fact, some of them verbatim repeat each other. Like, they make us uncomfortable if you read them. They say things that we're not even really all that sure that you're allowed to say or supposed to say. They get in touch with, with the pain inside. They get in touch with the uncertainty. They get in touch with the confusion inside of us that we're not, we're not always that eager to engage. And yet these prayers are in there. Almost 70 of them. Psalms of lament. Before we get into Psalm 13, I want to give you some examples of other psalms of lament. Listen to this one. This is Psalm 10. It starts off like this. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? When's the last time you started a prayer off like that? Psalm 22 says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far off from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. I'm sitting here, God. I don't even have the right words to say. All I'm doing is groaning because I'm so flippin' miserable. Are you going to do anything about it? Psalm 42 says this, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O God. When can I meet with God? My tears have been my food, day and night. That's a whole lot of tears. That's a, a whole ton of anguish right there. Psalm 88. O oh Lord, the God who saves me, day and night I cry out before you. You have put me in the lowest pit, the darkest of depths. You did it, God. You put me there. Why, O oh Lord, do you reject me? And why do you hide your face from me? Like, there's no holding back in any of these, right? It's all out there, just vomited up before God. Here you go, Lord. I mean, these are harsh, hard words. And they're in there for us to learn how to speak to God. And yet, here's the deal. There's almost half of the Psalms, almost half of them are these kinds of Psalms. And yet, we don't say them that often, do we? We sort of neglect them. How often have I preached a sermon on a psalm of lament? I can count them on two fingers, this being one of them. We neglect these psalms. We just sort of stay away from them in large part. I imagine there are all sorts of reasons why. Maybe there's some sort of, I don't know, maybe there's some sort of unspoken understanding between all of us people of faith. 
that seems to think that crying and complaining and lamenting are just signs of poor faith. Like if we had strong faith, we wouldn't think like that, right? Maybe we see these psalms as a sort of a, a, a sign of weakness. I mean, that's especially true if we picture God as an old man, authoritative, with a big white beard, sitting up in heaven, pointing down at us and saying, you've got to be stronger than that. All sorts of reasons why we neglect these psalms, I think. But here's the deal. I think we need psalms like this. I think we need psalms like this in a very deep way. We need psalms like this because, let's be honest about it, there's just way too much pain in life. Physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, relational pain, spiritual pain, your pain, my pain, our pain, our collective pain, our communal pain, the world's pain. There's just too much pain in life. So we need psalms like this one. We need them because, let's be honest, it's the only way we can be honest with God, and I think God wants our honesty. We need psalms like this for the integrity of our faith. We need them because it's just healthy. It's really, really healthy to pour out our pain. There's something really therapeutic about it. I have a hunch that, that a lot of us would be a whole lot healthier if we just didn't bottle up our pain so much. And if we gave ourselves permission to sort of, I don't know, raise a fist to heaven, cry out to the maker of heaven and earth, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? There's sort of an an honest release that happens when we do that. I mean, just look at this psalm. It doesn't have to be polished. This thing isn't polished. It's not smooth. These are earthy words. These are messy words. But where do they come from? Where do these words come from? Maybe tradition says that King David wrote these words. Maybe, maybe not. We're not sure. But we could go back and sort of look at different events in King David's life and be like, well, that's probably where he wrote Psalm 13. He's experiencing some stuff there that makes sense. But we don't necessarily need to do that. All we need to do is read through this psalm, think back in our own lives, back to our own experiences, and we can figure out where these words come from. We can sort of get in touch with the, the causes of our lament. We can figure out where our laments come come from. So we're just going to sort of do that right now. We're going to quickly walk through some of the places that, that give rise to lament. The first, lament comes from pain. You're like, you just said that. I know. It bears repeating. Lament comes from pain. Just read it. You can hear the anguish in these words. You can actually hear the pain. It's the kind of pain that comes when it's the kind of pain that comes when when life turns out not to be what we wanted it to be. When, when things come at us that we didn't see coming. 
or when life sort of takes a left-hand turn that we just didn't see coming. Disappointment, pain. I think lament also comes from delay. We experience delay all the time. How long, O oh Lord? How Four times he repeats that phrase, that question, four times. How long? How long? How long? How long? The pain just doesn't go away. Day after day, sometimes week after week, month after month, sometimes year after year. How long, O oh Lord? What is it for you? What is that one thing in your life or those two things in your life that just, they just won't change? You've wrestled with these things for so long. You pray about it. You ask God about it, but it just continues. It persists. It goes on. Lament comes from delay. I think lament also comes from unanswered prayers. Maybe you've experienced this before in your life. You've prayed and prayed and you get no answer. Maybe you're experiencing that now. If not now, if not in your past, you will at some point. Like if, if you're young and you haven't experienced this yet, you will. Let's just talk about that. You will. There will be a time in your life when you will pray and you will pray and you will pray and you won't get an answer. And when you get to that point, sometimes you just feel like it's not worth praying anymore. And you want to give up. And you want to throw the whole thing away. Can you be honest enough about your faith? Will your faith let you go there? You have permission. You can go there. It's okay. Here's another reason for lament, a sense of abandonment. Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? We have pain. There's delay. There's unanswered prayer which leads to the frustration that God may have abandoned us. One more. Lament can come from a sense of doubt, like really deep questioning. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and have sorrow in my heart? all day long, wrestling with thoughts. You've been there. This is like those sleepless nights when you put your head on the pillow and you're like, I can't fall asleep because you can't turn this off. Sometimes that leads to, to big, deep questions. Questions like, where is God? Did God forget about me? Because of what I'm going through right now in the absence of God, can I even trust what I learned in church about who God is? Can I even trust that? Can I even trust what this book says about God? Can, can, can I believe that anymore? Or have I sort of thrown myself into believing some sort of fairy tale and it's all a big hoax? It comes from doubts. 
our laments just come pouring out. Lament. We have permission to talk this way. We have permission to yell at God. We have permission to, to question the creator of the universe. We need these prayers. But what do we do after lament? I mean, for four verses, the writer goes on and on and on about lodging his complaints against God. And then all of a sudden, it's like he stops. Wait. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. What comes after lament? Often... Often healing comes, not necessarily quickly, not necessarily overnight, but often after lament, sort of creates space for healing to take place. Because here's the deal, a faith that expects us to bottle up our pain, like it doesn't produce health, it doesn't produce wholeness. Like all that does is increase anxiety and depression. That's what that does. You bottle that stuff up, it just increases anxiety. But a faith that allows us to be open and honest with God is a faith that creates space. It allows you to breathe because you get that stuff out and it creates space for healing. I mean, you know this from your own relationships, right? You know this. You know this from your own relationships, how you're closer to people with whom you've had the ability to share your deepest, darkest thoughts and your hardest struggles. Right? Relationships grow deeper when there's that level of trust, when, that, when there's that kind of openness. I mean, just look at these words. It's almost as if the psalmist is doing this. He's saying something like this. I can be honest with you, God. I can pour out my heart. I can lodge complaints against you. I can question your power. I can question your authority. I can question your availability, whether or not you're actually here. I can do all that and be honest with you, God, because I know at the end of it, you're not going to abandon me. I can be that honest with you, and I know that you won't run away, that ultimately I can trust in your unfailing love. I can trust that you really are love, because if you aren't love, you're not worth it. You're big enough to handle it. You have to be love. I have to trust in your unfailing love. You're big enough to handle even my worst. Madeline Langle once said this, I will have nothing to do with a God who cares only occasionally. I need a God who is with us always, everywhere, in the deepest depths as well as the highest heights. It is when things go wrong when good things do not happen, when our prayers seem to have been lost, that God is most present. 
We do not need sheltering wings when things go smoothly. We're closest with God in the darkness, stumbling around blindly. God is big enough to handle our pain. God is big enough to handle our laments. We can trust that God is large enough to handle our questions. How do we know this? Well, we know this because God isn't some far-off deity who created the earth and spun it and hung it in space and said, you're on your own. No, this God took the extraordinary, unfathomable step of becoming one of us. Of taking on our human flesh with all its pain and absurdity just to show us what love looks like in the person of Jesus. Read the stories about Jesus in the Bible. Read them often. Did Jesus ever, ever shrink back from someone else's pain? Did he ever shrink away from someone else's anguish? Not once. Not a single time. So the next time you look at all the problems in the world, the next time you sort of take an inventory of your own problems, don't be afraid to pick up this book. Don't be afraid to thumb through the Psalms. Thumb through them until you, until you get to one that expresses your feelings, your thoughts, your grief, your confusion, your anger, your frustration. Look, Psalm 13 is as good a place to start as any I've found. How long, O oh Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and, and have sorrow in my heart? All day long. How long, O oh Lord, will my enemies triumph over me? Look to me and answer me, O oh Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemies will say, I have triumphed and my foes will rejoice after I've fallen. Just say those words. Be bold enough, strong enough to shake your fist at heaven and cry out to God. Let it all out. Create that room in your soul. Because after you've done that, you might just find yourself lying on the ground in a heap. Singing the rest of the song, too. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. For he has been good to me. It's okay. You can talk that way to God. We have permission. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. And God, thank you for giving us this profound, this profoundly honest book. This book that, that teaches us, gives us permission, that opens us up, 
that puts us in touch with, with even the darkest, hardest, hardest parts of human life. We ask, oh God, that you would teach us to pray and that you would help us, that you would give words to our laments. Because in some weird way, we know that even in those times, in those places, you are the one who meets us right where we are. That that, in fact, is when you're closest. Thank you for your love and your grace. Amen. Let's sing.